Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you conversations with the leading professionals from across the industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Well, the most fulfilling part of it, quite honestly, is that you're you're creating entrepreneurs. You're giving the platform for people to fulfill their dreams. Most salon professionals come into this industry. They'll go through uh, beauty school. They'll go work in a conventional salon uh, for years in order to build a book of business. And you know they're uh, they're operating under. Some might be operating essentially independently inside that salon, uh, but they're still subject to you know the limited limitation on hours of operation, the music that you're listening to. And, and yet they're, they're still sort of quasi into business for themselves. What we're doing is we're liberating them. We're, we're giving them the set of keys, four walls, uh, and freedom. The world of salon property management is surprisingly active within the franchising landscape, with brands such as Phoenix Salon Suites opening up doors of opportunity to multiple entrepreneurs at once. On one level, you have the franchisee themselves, who can be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. You then also have the beauty and wellness professionals who occupy the Phoenix location, with each being presented with a slick, affordable venue to conduct their own business. It's quite a unique proposition, but one that has found many years of success as well as international growth. Phoenix first entered the UK market at the end of last year and has further plans for both the UK and Sweden following the signing of multiple deals across the continent. To learn more, we sat down with Brian Kelly, President and CEO of the brand. Brian has been with Phoenix for over three years and has played a key role in its international efforts. Join us as we speak with him about his journey into the Phoenix family, as well as the future of this acclaimed brand. From the name alone, some people may come to assume that it's kind of a hands-on spa franchising concept, Um, but would you be able to describe kind of the role that franchisees actually take on when they take on a Phoenix location? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's it's just quite the opposite. In fact, uh, 98% of our franchisees, we have over 130 in the system, uh, have no salon experience whatsoever. Basically, what we do is we take five to 10,000 square feet, um, so 500 square meters plus, and we divide it into individualized suites the size of a bedroom. And then what we do is we license those suites to individual stylists so that they can run their own business. And the franchisee's primary role is to find a location, to build out the location, which we help them do, and then uh, to market, to attract and retain salon professionals. And that's anybody in the you know, health, wellness, and beauty industry. So it goes beyond hair, uh, nails, estheticians, uh, massage therapists, acupuncture, you name it, any individualized service. And we, we license it to these professionals and they basically manage their own business inside this, their suite, the size of a bedroom. And we make sure we take care of the utilities, including internet, water, electric, uh, gas, if, if applicable, and then maintain the facility, uh, make sure that the physical plant is, is operational. And then we, you know, again, it comes down to marketing after that. And it's not totally uh, hands-off. I mean, we call it semi-absentee management. If you're spending more than 30 minutes inside your location a week, that's probably too much time. Uh, you have a, a part-time uh, site manager on property, and that person interacts or engages with the salon professionals to troubleshoot any, any challenges or issues that they might have. Right. Okay. So that's really interesting. It's much more of a kind of property management franchise as opposed to that direct health and wellness, but you still naturally have that, that degree of interpersonal relationship building. 
That's exactly uh, the point. Um, we we are essentially a sub landlord, for lack of a better term, that specializes in the health, wellness, and beauty industry. Right. Okay. And um, I know, Brian, that you first joined Phoenix back in 2019 after coming from the QSR world. And I was interested just to learn a little more about what prompted that change for you to make the leap from food and beverage to this kind of property wellness franchising realm. Well, I, you know, at the time I was attending all these finance conferences. Uh, My partners and I owned 100, 130 restaurant locations across multiple states uh, in different concepts, not just fast food, but all the way up to white tablecloth dining. And uh, I just kept seeing uh, more and more private equity groups coming into the restaurant space with buckets of cash looking to buy 100 unit operators and turn them into 200 unit operators. So I, I saw, you know, I felt this presence of saturation that was just really on the forefront and, and, and just thought that increased competition would be, you know, increasing challenge in that industry. And then on top of that, the, the, in the restaurant space, if anybody who's out there uh, owns a restaurant, they know that you're, you're basically a full-time employer. I mean, so you, are con- you, know, you have 25 to 50 employees per location. So you're constantly out in the marketplace you know, recruiting, training, hiring, managing, you know, dispute resolution. And then so you become really an HR person more so than a restaurant person. So when I ventured out, I had two goals in mind. One, I wanted an industry that was um, highly fragmented. Uh, one that was there, were, there weren't any real dominant players in the marketplace uh, so that I could scale because uh, franchising is sort of my bloodline. And then the second driver was something that had minimal employee uh, dependence on, on employees. And uh, lo and behold, found this industry where, you know, we have, there's probably in the United States about 1,200 branded franchise locations that are in the salon suite space. Uh, so even though we're in this massive industry uh, that's, that's health, wellness, and beauty that's been around forever and will be around forever, the actual salon, the salon suite segment of it is, is relatively small, but has been growing uh, consistently over the last five to 10 years in the United States. Uh, so I, I wanted something that had the ability to, you know, uh, basically gain market share, uh, either through acquisition, pr- primarily through development. I wanted something that had um, less dependence on on the employment base. And so uh, we have one part time employee per location. The, the salon professionals are not our employees. They are clients of ours. So they license the locations and they pay us rent. Uh, we you know, so it's a much different dynamic when you're mm. dealing with you know, a, a client versus dealing with an employee. So those are the two main drivers. And, uh, you know, if, if you look in the United States, there's probably upwards of 250, 300,000 salons out there that are, you know, cosmetology locations, they're hair, barbershops, nail tech, you know, massage locations, lash locations, uh, uh, med spas. So there's all these variety of different types of small businesses out there that we bring under one roof and we make it essentially one-stop shopping for not just the clients of the salon professionals, but also for the, the landlords. The landlords, you know, oftentimes get tired of dealing with, you know, chasing rent checks from five different small vendors where with us, we bring it all under one roof and you're dealing with one client that's running 500 to up to a thousand square meters per location and uh, just makes for better synergy, better control. And we bring one of the attractive components. I'm kind of going on here, but the, uh, for the, the landlords is that we bring five to 7,000 middle to upper income people to their center 
every single month because they're getting a haircut. You know, hair, hair doesn't stop growing even during a recession. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, particularly your trajectory in terms of the, you know, looking for minimal reliance on employees. I mean, as we know, you know, the labor shortage isn't just a US issue that's worldwide at the moment. And in a moment, I'd like to speak a little more about Phoenix's worldwide presence. But um, as you say, you're kind of bringing together these people who'd like to be business owners with franchisees themselves. It just kind of really, you know, feels like a very modern driven um, sort of enterprise. Um, I know, Brian, you'd mentioned up top that um, 98% of your franchisees don't have salon experience. But what kind of background or experience are you looking for when you're expanding the Phoenix network? Well, what tends to work well is is really uh, people that, that understand local store marketing and then and have some general awareness of uh, real estate, commercial real estate in particular. Quite honestly, we help uh, on both those fronts. Uh, we've got a 43-point marketing program uh, that we can help uh, just about anybody launch uh, their, their location, you know, solicit and retain um, salon professionals to license th- at their locations. Uh, and then on the construction side, we handhold from site tours to letters of intent or uh, head of terms, as they call it in the, the UK, all through lease negotiation and then uh, through the construction process all the way to opening. So we we do provide that sort of hands-on guidance. Um, so you don't necessarily need that type of experience, uh, but it does help. Uh, and so, um, but we bring it, we put you through training. And, and so if you don't, if you're shy on some of those areas, we can um, help fulfill those uh, those shortfalls put you through a training program, and then we come out on premise and help as well. So it's very exciting and uh, how and how it all comes together. And you you mentioned the UK there, Brian. I know that you've started with Phoenix, kind of embarking upon this European expansion. In the last October, you guys launched in the UK, and you've got further plans to go throughout the market. Um, and you also recently signed a multi-unit deal in Sweden. Um, do you envision any kind of changes to the Phoenix model when transitioning from the US to these overseas markets? No material changes. Um, the you know the design uh, translates. We actually just upgraded or, or uh, modified our layout, uh, lighter and brighter, more blues and greens in the colors. Uh, but but essentially the the build out is largely the same. We are going to have a, a retail presence uh, in one in the equivalent of the size of one suite in the lobby where we will um, sell and promote uh, retail product retail products and wholesale products to the salon professionals. And that would be through Gina Rivera, who is our founder. Uh, she's created a wet line. Uh, so conditioning, uh, you know, she's got a, a hairspray. She's got uh, a shampoo line. Through her color line, she's got a beautiful color line that's been really well received uh, both in the United States and globally. And then we, uh, we're coming out with a beauty line uh, probably sometime first quarter of next year. And so the idea there is to help Salon professionals, when they come into our environment, they're coming from a conventional salon and sometimes they don't have what's called a back bar. And back bar is their supplies to you know, service their customers, their shampoo line, their, their conditioner and, and so forth. So we will provide them with a starter kit. Uh, and, and then I, the idea there is that we make it uh, incredibly accessible to them so they can literally buy replacement right on, promise, on property. Right, that makes yeah, it's great to diversify that revenue for your franchisees and just build out the brand for the long term. We are looking to tweak a few of the design elements to sort of Britify or you know make it a little bit more uh, more tailored to the local market, but not not significant changes. And you know, from an operations standpoint, um, we found with our first location in Manchester, we really didn't have to modify anything. Um, we we took our game plan and. We work with the local marketing groups and, and the local uh, community to help build awareness 
and launched location. And we are just about full right now after six months, which is uh, exciting because that's about uh, that's ahead of kind of where we see a lot of the, the locations in the United States. Absolutely. And I mean, it's a completely new brand coming into a new country. So they're very impressive, uh, impressive statistics so far. Um, something else I would speak with you about, Brian, is just the kind of um, infusing of technology into the franchise, because as we know, across all kinds of industries, QSR, fitness, um, any kind of franchise, technology is becoming increasingly prominent and necessary, really, for a lot of investors and franchisors for both improving the franchisees' lives as well as the client side of things. Um, how is Phoenix incorporating tech into its offering to make it as appealing as possible for your new partners so on the on the front end you know the beauty of this of this model is that it's not heavily dependent on tech which is always changing and always in, you know improving of course mm. however with that said we do have a uh, mobile app that we make available to the salon professionals for free and that mobile app really uh, allows the salon professional to do their entire business they can run a, uh, a marketing campaign off it they can manage all their scheduling uh, through that electronically with their client base. Um, they can process the transactions. So when a client is ready to pay, they can take uh, they can take payment and process it through the mobile app uh, for a very low fee on the on the processing side. And then we make through that we make available training programs and even products to purchase, which is a which is a growing trend. You know, everybody wants to buy online, of course. Uh, and it just makes it accessible to the salon professional. But what's what's tied in with that is the back office piece where the salon professionals actually remit payment to the uh, to the franchisee. They can do it electronically through this same mobile app. And then we also use it as a device to communicate with the salon professionals. So if there's any kind of announcements or any kind of uh, changes or updates, um, that need to be communicated down to the salon professionals. They can do it all through this mobile app. Uh, and then on top of that, you can also track, it's set up so that you can track your leads. So as salon professionals respond to ads via you know, social media network uh, platforms like you know uh, Google and Facebook, Instagram, they we can have those leads ported into uh, a CRM so that a franchisee can actually manage their lead flow electronically instead of back of the envelope. Uh, and why that's important is over time, you know, a lot of times people express interest, but they're not ready to commit to signing up today. And that's normal. People want to see what you're, what you're about, learn, you know, the ins and outs of it, see who's going to be in the, uh, located in there. Is it a good fit? And so um, with that, we, keep, we can retain some of the information and we can communicate back to them uh, at a later date, every 90, 120 days, just a reminder, hey, we're still here. Uh, we're excited about your interest in, in Phoenix. Um, love to have you join us. And, and so there is that drip email campaign that is capable on the back end. Uh, I'm a data junkie. I love to have da you know great data and you can never have a big enough pipeline of um, even wait lists for people because you want to make sure that you know people are interested in you that you you know you, you reciprocate, right? So um, so that tool is a, 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 a valuable tool for franchisees. And we're, right now, currently, we do not charge the franchisee for access to that tool. Right. So those are the primary drivers on it. Um, you know, a lot. We, we, we engage with local marketing firms and introduce our franchisees to local marketing firms. And then they, you know, they handle the marketing campaigns on that front. There's not a lot of digital depend, dependence in terms of what the need is for the franchisee. But obviously, you want ongoing reporting, and that's all typically tied into those those um, those arrangements. 
Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like you're utilizing that tech in a, a very focused way as opposed to just a scattergun approach where it's tech for tech's sake. You know, you're still maintaining those very essential interpersonal moments. Um, I wouldn't want to dwell on the the pandemic, Brian, but kind of the, the sheer nature of kind of what Phoenix um, does. You know, I imagine with the intimacy required for spa treatments, you guys maybe had to either pivot or change or just slightly alter your delivery um, throughout the pandemic or close for certain periods of time. And my question for you based off the back of that was, just what kind of learnings have you taken from the past past few years um, that will direct the future of the Phoenix brand? So, you know, obviously it was a crisis across the world. And so everybody, you know, wanted to focus on how was it going to impact them individually or the brand in general. We, the one, the playbook really, which we developed in real time, like everybody else, uh, we, we went to weekly conference calls with our franchisees. And I think the one takeaway overall is communication, right? It's, it's opening those channels and, and getting information to your, not just your, your franchisees, but the salon professionals um, underneath them. Uh, you know, we, in, in the US, we have over 10,000 salon professionals that, that call Phoenix home. So we wanted to calm the nerves and get and make sure that the, uh, we made accessible any kind of uh, government updates. So through our website, we updated we had a separate area in our website where people could go get information, the latest updates on changes from government-driven uh, decision-making uh, because we had state, you know, in the U.S., we have some states that opened within three weeks and some states that were closed on and off for five months. So we had, and we have franchisees and salon professionals in all those. So we had to constantly communicate what was going on there uh, and then give them the tools, access to the people, you know, all kinds of, uh, any of the equipment they need for cleaning and, 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 and so forth. Uh, we also, one of the things we did uh, right of ways, ex- make accessible the PPP money, the, the, the loan programs that the government backed. So we did that through our mobile app. We were able to do that very, very quickly. Um, the key for us, I mean, to your question is really just the communication was an absolute challenge. And, you know, for us, uh, in terms of, you know, focusing on that, getting it narrowed down, making sure we're delivering that communication frequently to this, both the franchisees and the salon professionals. Uh, but when you look back at when I look back at, at, at kind of, you know, the situation, open air conventional salons where wash bowls were all centralized and where chairs were relatively close to each other, they had more of a challenge because they had to kind of rearrange their footprint. Uh, they had to take chairs out. They had to, you know, restrict hours. Um, they had to, you know, move wash bowls apart. We're set up. We, it was as if we were set up for this because you know, our wash bowls and our salon professionals, they're all in each individual suite. It's not, you know, so everybody can be serviced one-on-one behind closed doors. And so if you, we could be absolutely full and you wouldn't know it because everybody's behind a closed door. And there's uh, our, our lobbies by design were minimal. Um, they, people do, don't congregate through lobby. That's where we have our directory where they can find their salon professional. Usually they need to look at that for one, one or two times and then they'll figure it out. Um, we literally created one-way traffic inside our salons because we usually have like a uh, almost like a, a circular pathway through the uh, through the actual salon. Some are a little different, depends on the layout. But we were able to create one-way traffic to really minimize contact. Um, the other thing we did was we took out the we have benches throughout our hallways, not a lot of them, but a few for people to wait while while their client is served. So we removed those temporarily so that nobody could be congregating in the, in the hallways. Uh, and then the, la- the other thing we did was we, we locked the front door and, and we had a, we have a fob system already set up where uh, salon professionals can buzz their clients in. Mm. Uh, we're not a business that really depends on walk-in traffic. 
although we embrace it, uh, we don't, you know, most of our salon professionals come to us with a book of business. So they'll have a hundred to 150 clients. So what we did was we said, listen, to have your client either wait outside or wait in their car and then, you know, text them or let them know uh, that they're, uh, that they're time, that they're ready for them. And then you can buzz them in. So all of these elements sort of played right into the hand of, of how, you know, how did our segment of the salon industry respond and react to the pandemic? And, um, uh, and we, you know, we made that point to government officials as well, because look, we're not, we're not like your conventional open air salon. We don't, we don't have to worry about, you know, breaking up large. We don't have, we don't have a large lobby. There's no place for people to congregate. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the learning at the end of the day, to answer your question is really communication. And I think that really crosses all industries and all segments because you know, real-time data is important. People want to want to get back to business, but they wanted to do it in a safe and secure manner. And so we, I think we were set up for that. So it wasn't as complicated for us to get back to that, that environment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, communication is a pillar that we've covered extensively on the podcast and the magazine over the past year. And I think it will be a really strong um, talking point for many many years to come um my my final question for you brian is just for you specifically what do you find fulfilling about being you know the head of this internationally recognized franchise brand well the most fulfilling part of it quite honestly is that you're you're creating entrepreneurs you're giving the platform for people to fulfill their dreams most salon professionals come into this industry they'll go through uh, beauty school they'll go work in a conventional salon uh, for years in order to build a book of business. And, you know, they're, uh, they're operating under, some might be operating essentially independently inside that salon, uh, but they're still subject to, you know, the limited limitation on hours of operation, the music that you're listening to, the temperature of the room, uh, the, sometimes the product you're selling. And, and yet they're, they're still sort of quasi into business for themselves. What we're doing is we're liberating them. We're, we're giving them the set of keys, four walls, uh, and freedom. And, and mo- you know, we're 24 seven access. So if you want to cut here at three in the morning on a Sunday, that's fine. Uh, some clients need that, right? They're getting on an airplane, going to New York for fashion, whatever. And it happens, uh, or weddings, you know, you get a whole party shows up. They got to be ready by 9am and, and you got to figure out how to scramble and make that work for us though. It, it's, it's, you know, we make it very easy and convenient for a salon professional to start their business really with nothing. I mean, they can come in with a small deposit, 200, 300 pound, uh, they can get started tomorrow. And then we give them really, we give them a, a setup for a wash bowl, a, a styling chair and a cabinet. And then we get out of their way. And so they have three to four walls to work with to decorate and really style the way they want and create their own salon. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what's exciting is when you see them, you know, we have people with tears in their eyes because they never thought they'd own their own business. And here we made it readily available for them to do so in a fairly quick and efficient manner with minimal cost. That to me is the most exciting thing. I mean, we have 10,000 entrepreneurs in and growing uh, at a pretty good clip in the United States and now globally. So it's very exciting to see that, you know, that, that we're giving that pathway towards that independence. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again for joining us today, Brian, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about Phoenix's upcoming development news. We're very excited. And thanks again for having us. It was really great to learn more about Phoenix Salon Suites and its operating model, and specifically what the franchisees do as part of this international network. 
It was particularly interesting to learn from Brian about how the brand weathered the pandemic and how, as he touched on, the brand's segmented approach to health and beauty professionals was almost custom-built for the socially distanced environment that we now know. In light of that, it was fascinating to hear that 98% of Phoenix franchisees don't have any prior salon experience, considering the word salon is in the brand's name. It just goes to show that franchising can be accessible for everybody and all backgrounds, especially if a brand ensures that its training and guidance is up to scratch. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Does your brand prioritise training? And how do you ensure that new franchisees can maximise on their opportunity? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.